Um, I'm really scared. <laughs> so I'm going to sit down. Um, when Caleb was sharing this morning about the uh, different languages that the people had heard God or heard the uh, people speaking after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, I remembered the story that happened uh, in the church I attended in Michigan. And then he mentioned it could have been any language, and he said German. And then I knew that I couldn't uh, say no to the Lord because this is what happened. Um, we frequently had messages in tongues in our services. And this one Sunday was no different. And so there was a message given and interpretation and um, the service went on and everybody went home and like that. Um, we didn't suspect anything or nothing seemed that different. But there was a family in our church who was hosting a exchange student from Germany. And this student, when the, he had, you know, he was, hadn't gone to church at home, but because his family was hosting him, he uh, came with them to church. So he didn't know really what was going on, but when they got home, he said, uh, where did that fellow in church learn to speak uh, German so fluently? And the family, the father family um, said, his name was Jack, he says, I, I don't know, I don't think he knows German. And But the student said, well, he was praising God and, and giving God glory and telling of all the miraculous and wonderful works that Jesus did in perfect German. And so they were kind of like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so what they did was with the student uh, went and contacted or went and talked with the fellow that had given the message. And the fellow said, uh, I never studied German. I don't know what it sounds like. I have no idea of, of, of the German language. And so the student told him, you know, you spoke excellent, fluent German. And the fellow, the, the, the person who spoke was just amazed and um, so the uh, student was amazed as well and, and couldn't you know he was really perplexed and wondered what was going on and uh, but um, through all that I'm not sure that you know he accepted the Lord or gave his heart to the Lord but I know that God showed up in a miraculous way for that young man. It was just him alone. And so I'm just thankful that, you know, we don't shut our minds off or close our hearts to the miraculous that still happens these days. And not just that particular instance, but in God, you know, can do anything. So thanks. Let me do that. Good job.
If you have a Bible, will you open it to the book of Acts, chapter 1? Um, that's awesome. I've heard more stories like that, especially overseas, with people sharing the gospel in um, contexts where they don't know the language. And it's just amazing. God's still doing work because He loves us. He loved that young man. He loves the people of this world. He wants to reach them. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you that the gospel is true. The gospel is true. There are people here, likely, who are struggling to believe the truth of the gospel. Lord, they need you. They need you to show off. They need you to work. They need you to speak through me, through all of us. I'm praying that you would let your spirit just do something supernatural among us, God. Speak to us. Help me get out of the way. Help us to get out of your way, Lord. Speak to us. Work through this text. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning, we're learning about God's provision for His mission. As I, say, I said a minute ago, uh, Scott's been going through the gifts of the Spirit. He's been talking about every gift that's listed. And the thing we need to remember as we've been going through these giftings and learning about them is that God has a purpose for these giftings. God has a particular thing He wants to do in this world. And that is, He wants to make Jesus famous. He wants Jesus to get glory. He wants the nations to hear of Jesus' sacrifice. The mighty works, as Bob mentioned, like that young man heard in fluent German. He wants people to know that the gospel is true and that God still cares about us. God has not wound up the world like a watch. Twist, twist. Okay, first day I made this. Second day I made this. Third day I made this. One, five, six, seven, I'm resting. There it goes. There goes my watch. I'm back here. This is how people view God. They think he's just stepped back. While they're over here and he's just moving further and further away. But the testimony of Scripture is the complete opposite. The testimony of Scripture is reversed. We are here. This is us. God's right here. And instead of God taking steps backward, humanity has slowly been the ones taking steps backwards. From God. All the while blaming God for the distance. And God has done everything that is necessary in order for the gap to be breached. He did that all through the Old Testament. He does that in the Gospels. You read about Jesus. Jesus is literally God bridging the gap to meet with His people. And to rescue His people. And then Jesus sends the Spirit who does the exact same thing. 
And so while we're studying these gifts of the Spirit, we cannot forget the fact that the Spirit's manifestation among us is God Himself coming to meet with us. That is His purpose for the gifts. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to see Him. And He wants you to respond positively to Him. That's why He gives gifts. We see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the beginning of the church, the beginning of the pouring out of the gifts and the foundation of what we are doing today, that Jesus says, you will receive power. You will receive power. My friends, the disciples after Jesus had said this were in a room, they were praying, they were trying to figure out, hey, what's next? What do we do? Hey, Judas is dead. Maybe we should replace him. So they do what they know to do. They pray and they cast lots. But beloved, and commentators would agree with this statement I'm about to make. This ragtag group of rednecks were not the church yet. They may have prayed, which is good. They should have prayed. They may have cast lots. That's good. God led them. I trust Matthias was the right guy for the job. But ultimately, in order for them to be who Jesus intended for them to be, the church, there was still someone not at that meeting. It wasn't Judas. It wasn't the lack of Judas that didn't make it the church. It wasn't the lack of bylaws. It wasn't the lack of a church van. I want a van. It wasn't the lack of a van. It wasn't the lack of an offering collection. It wasn't any of those things. In fact, it was a person. It was a person. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The key ingredient to what we do here on Sundays, on Wednesdays, in life groups... In youth group, in web kids, the key ingredient that makes us the body of Christ is not our philosophies, our programs, or whatever. It's God's Spirit. It is God's Spirit. So these rednecks were not the church yet, but they were going to be. They were going to be, and they weren't just going to be. A group of people that gathered and the spirit manifests and he, whoa, cool, German. Or whoa, cool, that guy's arm grew back. Or name a miracle. It wasn't just about the miracles, but Jesus continued. That power that does what you can't do is so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You see, the purpose of spiritual gifts, the purpose of the miraculous for God has always been for His reconciling mission. He has always intended what He's going to do among us that defies explanation, that defies The boundaries of science, by the way, those boundaries are very hard to find (laughs) because they move them all the time. 
come on Saturday, you'll find out. But those boundaries, they're breached only by God. Only by God. Because He wants people to hear the name of Jesus. He wants you this morning to hear the name of Jesus. He wants you, every person in this room, to hear how Jesus bridged the gap. He wants us to see how the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus, bridged the gap so that we might believe in the one and only Son who came from the Father so that no man may perish. So if we keep going in Acts from chapter 1, we go into Acts chapter 2 and we see Jesus fulfill His promise. Jesus is like, I told you I'm going to do it. Hey, I'm going to do it. So if we pick up in Acts 2, we see that the Spirit will show up and did show up. And He did an amazing thing. And these three things I'm about to share with you from Acts 2 are things that I believe that we can experience now as Christians in the 21st century, as the church in the 21st century. I believe these are still things that can happen. And the three things, the first one is God's church is empowered. The second is God's gospel is powerfully proclaimed. And the third is that God intends for people to respond. I believe that this format can happen and does happen even today. So let's start in verses 1 through 4. Let's see how when the Spirit shows up, the church is empowered. And I'm just going to walk through the text. I'm going to walk through the text. I threw my sermon notes out. So I'm just walking through the text. When the day of Pentecost arrived. Just have to mention, Pentecost wasn't something a bunch of people in Southern California made up when an earthquake decimated L.A. after a guy prophesied it would happen. By the way, that really happened. Look it up. The Azusa Street Revival. Interesting. Pentecost was a day when Jews would gather and they would celebrate a very sacred holiday. And you notice the text, the Spirit wrote through Luke to show us that He is intentional. He knows what He's doing. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That is about 120 people who witnessed Jesus ascend into heaven. 120 people all gathered in a room. Commentators say that because of chapter 1... And what happened, what led to this moment, is they were probably praying. They're probably still praying in one place. And then verse 2, suddenly. So imagine someone up sneaking behind you and shaking you. Surprise! Surprise party. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, I like to think of a jet engine. Like an airplane starting up really high. You hear it up in the, in the sky. Imagine if that jet engine was coming straight at you. Louder, louder, louder. They didn't have airplanes back then. So this was new. They wouldn't have anything to explain this. Maybe a tornado or a hurricane. Like a mighty rushing wind. And so it goes from the outside and then it comes to the inside. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. You ever been in a room with a jet engine? Do you think that's loud? Pretty loud. 
Pretty scary. Claire and I used to live in San Bruno, California, and we lived right near the San Francisco airport. We would hear airplanes flying and taking off all the time. And every now and then, there would be one flying over us, and it was a little bit scary. You can imagine this is scary. Verse 3. And this sound that comes into the room, it's, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Wow. You notice it says each one? It doesn't just say the Apostle John got a tongue. Peter got a tongue. Woo! Even Matthias. He's not original. He got a tongue. No, what does it say? What's it say? All of them. Each one. I don't know about you. That encourages me. Do you know when I came here to Webster Baptist Church, the thing that convicted me and made me explore the claims of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew was Scott's preaching. And Scott preached in such a way that I thought Frank Hackadarian met with him before I showed up. His illustrations. I, I'm sure you've felt that. I've said this before. I was like, what did Frank tell him about me? He's like unloading my secrets in front of all these people. And I, for the longest time, longed, I longed to have a type of ministry like that. And this text gives me hope that God, by His grace, can use me. God, by His grace, can use you. It's not just for the elite. This is for all. And it says in verse 4, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Guys, gals, that is incredible. This is how the church was formed. The very first thing that God decides to do is reverse what He did in Genesis at the Tower of Babel. This is a picture, a reverse picture, of when human, humans said, hey, let's go to the, the plains of Shinar and let's build a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves so that we might be revered and seen as mighty. And God looked down and He saw all these people realizing that if they put their minds to it, and they band together. They can do anything they put their minds to. But God said, no, it's not about you. You just wait. You just wait. And he divided the languages and divided the people. And we see here a group of people who have come together not to build a tower for their popularity or their fame, but people who have gathered around for the name of Jesus. And the fame of Jesus are praying and begging God, do what Jesus said you would do. And God answers their prayer. And then there's these tongues. It's the reversal of Babel. God is reclaiming territory here. What Satan stole and sought to steal and the rebel demons and angels sought to steal, God is reclaiming. By His Spirit in this moment.
That means for us, what we are doing here is spiritual warfare. We're not just coming here to get entertained. You're coming here to meet with God for His Spirit to empower you so that you might go out as a soldier. That's what He's doing here. He wants to empower His church just as He's empowering His church here for battle. You want to go to battle? Beloved, I have news for you. If you come here every day, every Sunday, and you're just here to hear a nice song, if you're here to be entertained by a sermon or get your ears tickled or make friends, you know, I'm glad you're here. Don't, I'm not trying to condemn you, but I'm telling you, Christ is telling you this day, there is more. There is way more than going through the motions and showing up and being here for your own purposes. Your purposes, if they are fulfilled, will never satisfy your soul. Only God's purposes will satisfy your soul. That's why God's church is empowered. So let's keep going. Let's see what else happens when the Spirit shows up. In verses 5 through 11, we see that, the, that God's gospel is powerfully proclaimed. The Spirit came. They got the power. Now, what do you do? You got your battery charged. Verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation. This reminds me what I said a moment ago. The Spirit is intentional. We do not have to manufacture movements. That is not our job. We don't need to drop gold sparkles from the sky. Or throw bubbles. I love fog machines, but we don't need those fog machines. We don't need that kind of thing to manufacture a movement. The Spirit is intentional and He's working. He already knows who needs to be invited to this party that He's crashed. Men from every nation under heaven. That means every language. Every language. Huh, I wonder why those... Disciples are now speaking different languages. Verse 6. And at this sound, now that this is sound, it's talking about both the wind. They heard the wind, the jet engine. There weren't planes in first century Jerusalem. So that had to have caused a scene. So at this sound, and then the other sound of the cacophony of languages that are going to be in heaven when we get there, praising God. The sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because it wasn't the sound that solely caused them to be bewildered. But it was this. Each one was hearing. They were hearing. They were hearing these disciples speak in his own language. I have to tell you this. This was not necessary for people to hear the gospel. Why? Because in that time, and in that particular party, or the Jerusalem party of Pentecost, every person who was there would have been either a convert to Judaism or an exile Jew. They would have known Hebrew. And most likely, because the Romans were so vicious, and they were so intentional, just like the Spirit is, everyone would have known Greek too. 
So there could have been a big win, and then they show up and then hear people speaking in languages they know. They already know. They likely spoke multiple languages. But here we see the Spirit manifesting a miraculous work like that young man experienced with German. An act of grace. Grace, unmerited favor. Unearned favor. God, because he is infinite in his love and mercy, just like he sent Jesus, that we did not deserve that. We did not deserve Jesus to go to the cross on our behalf. Just as that is true, this act of grace is also true. The miraculous are wonderful, but they're not necessary. That's why when God manifests his spirit here and people are doing things that they couldn't do apart from him, it is purely an act of grace, an act of kindness from a loving and generous, merciful God. And look at how they respond. Like, to hear the language in their own, or hear the gospel in their own tongue is, was enough. That It says, like, they recognize where its source is. It's like, oh, I hear my language. I hear this amazing work of God, but... Whoa, look at this guy. Who's, who's this guy talking? It says, they were amazed, astonished. Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they rednecks? Hey, doesn't that guy own the tire shop? Who doesn't speak a very good English? Did I say that right? Very good English? Was that correct grammar? Oh, let's see. Like, they're amazed. Like, these, these people who are like country bumpkins. I know we're from Silva. I know, I know the accents here. I'm not trying to offend anyone. I, I'm just speaking like this is what they're saying. They're saying, oh my gosh, that guy from Silva, North Carolina? He's speaking fluent French? What? That's a big deal for a hillbilly. Here are the language, Parthians, Medes. Oh, and how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Here are the languages. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. They're hearing Arabic. They're hearing Chinese, Japanese. They're hearing all these languages from the mouths of hillbillies. Oh my goodness, that is wild. They say we are hearing them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. Specifically, the mighty works of God in Jesus. We are hearing about a Messiah. We are hearing about the dead raised. We are hearing about a cross. We are hearing about the forgiveness of sins. We are hearing the mighty works of God in our own language. Wow. Wow. The gospel is powerfully proclaimed when the Spirit shows up. That's verses 5 through 11. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. We see when the Holy Spirit's present, 
The gospel is proclaimed because God intends for people to respond. God intends for people to respond. Verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? I, I would be freaked out. I'm be honest. I'd be like, what is happening? Amazed and perplexed. Saying to one another... What does this mean? You know, so many people live their entire lives just being nice and praying for an opportunity like this. You know, a lot of people think that you can share the gospel by not saying anything. And people are just going to come up to you and say, and and this might happen, I will say, it can happen. They will say, hey, You're really nice. Why are you so nice? I've had that happen to me. I'm not discounting it. But look at the text. Mouths are open. People are speaking. And people are amazed. Every moment of every day, God is intending for each and every one of us to take advantage of the power that he's provided. You may not speak German. You may not speak Spanish. You may not speak Arabic all of a sudden. But the point is, you can speak. And when you speak, people hear. Just like they see. But in this instance, this is an amazing instance. I'm praying we have moments like this where someone's speaking a language and they're like, what does this mean? But beloved, the Apostle Paul says that that's supposed to happen in here too. There are supposed to be things happening in here and said in here that draw people to question and wonder and explore. And I would argue it is happening, but perhaps there's more to it, more for us. I know it happened when I was converted. I was perplexed. That's why I read the Gospel of Matthew. But they were saying, what does this mean? Now, when people start responding and people start asking questions, the, the ultimate desire of God, is, according to Scripture, is that all people might come to a knowledge of the truth, and repent of their sins. That is God's ultimate desire. He wants that for every person. He wants that for you if you're not a Christian in here. And that happens. It happens. And it's going to happen in just a moment after Peter keeps preaching or preaches in chapter 2. But sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes, rather than people be magnetized by the miraculous of God and the works of God, their response is actually disdain and negativity. Look at verse 13. (laughs) Others mocking said they are filled with new wine. New wine meaning it's got a lot of alcohol. They're drinking it. They're filled with it. They didn't realize they weren't filled with wine. They were filled with the Spirit. So let me ask you this question. If you were one of these people that stumbled in on this Holy Spirit party, the Spirit just crashed, and you started hearing a redneck that you bought fish from just the week before, 
speaking, let's say you're an you're a Arabic person, and they're speaking perfect Arabic, would your automatic response be, oh, he's drunk? I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm asking a real question. Would that be your response? And, then, and then I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it gently, but it's true. And this happens all the time. It still happens. I'm going to tell you another story in just a minute. That is stupid. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it. And it breaks my heart. That people could encounter God in such a real way. Namely the gospel. I mean the gospel is amazing. There is no news like the gospel. That God. I mean if you're honest with yourself. You suck. I suck. Be honest. I suck. I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be a Christian. I deserve the fires of hell. Namely that. I still sin. And I know the gospel. I know how serious God takes sin. God takes sin so seriously that he killed his son. So that I wouldn't have to die. I know that. Wouldn't it make sense that I'd say no to sin more often? But (laughs) I, I suck. I'm poop. I stink. That a God would love me enough that while I was dead in my trespasses, knowing that I would still sin after he saves me, he makes me alive with Jesus by killing his son, taking my sin, putting it on his son, and then telling me, Caleb, you look at Jesus, look at that guy, my son, and I will give you his righteousness. I hate calling it a transaction or a deal, but beloved, there is no better deal. That is amazing. And then to say say that God would miraculously divide tongues among people and speak the gospel in a language for you to understand that is your home language and a redneck's talking it. And And you would say they're drunk? And we do this all the time. But people, non-Christians, do this all the time when they encounter God's glory through the spirit manifestation. They do it all the time. Let me tell you of one guy I just heard of. I've been listening to a lecture or lectures on the book of Acts. And uh, the, the lecturer was talking about this guy who's famous, a famous liberal theologian who is one of the heaviest influencers in what's called, ironically... Ironically, the historical Jesus movement, which is anything but historical. It's myth. They make up stuff. They make up stuff. And this guy, David Friedrich Strauss, he was a very, very extreme critic of Christians and the miraculous. I mean, he was a liberal uh, Christian theologian, but at the same time, he discounted 
much of what the scripture said. I would argue that's not a Christian. But he argued in the 1800s that miracles and what the Bible describes as miracles were myths created over multiple generations. He said that miraculous stories were not based on eyewitness accounts because it's impossible for them to happen, but they were based on myths that developed over many years. And he would even argue that when someone starts speaking of miracles here and now, they're doing the exact same thing. They're building myths. Well, he had a friend. And they... and. This guy is talked about in secular universities. He's talked about at liberal seminaries. Highly esteemed, but they never mention this. He had a friend named Edward Morga. And Morga was diagnosed with a debilitating spinal problem. He could not walk. He could not walk. Doctors couldn't help him. No one could help him. So this guy, Edward Morga, decides to go meet a guy named Johann Christoph Blumhardt who was a German Lutheran pastor who had been praying for people during the time, and they were being healed. Not only that, there were people showing up claiming to be possessed by demons, and he was exercising the demons. And so, Morga goes and meets with Blumhart, and Blumhart prays for him, and you know what happens? He's healed. Completely completely healed. And so he decides to write his friend Strauss to tell him the great news. Wouldn't you be excited? You'd tell people, wouldn't you? I'd tell people, especially skeptics. So he writes a letter and he wrote this letter while he was hiking in Europe, in the mountains. Not walking, hiking in the mountains. And so (laughs) Strauss gets the letter reads it, and the next thing he does is he writes another mutual friend they have, and this is what he says. We've lost Morga to superstition. That's stupid. Stupid. And beloved, stories like this are still... Oh man, some of the stories in this lecture are amazing. One guy had... Uh, his little, his intestines, I think big intestines, I don't know, but it was, he had this disease and they had to cut out his intestines. He's about to die. And someone hears about it and they say, God told me to go over here, fly over there and pray for this man. So the guy flies over there, prays for him. And the, as the guy's getting prayed for, he feels energy. He feels heat in his belly. And then they do a scan And you can survive with about, he probably had like 50 to 60% of his intestines left. You can survive apparently from with 80, 90% of it. But they did the scan and it was 100%. It grew back completely. Completely. They don't, intestines don't grow long wise. They can't expand outward when you eat a lot. But this was a miraculous happening. Things like this are happening. People in this church have experienced things like this. But beloved, all of this is to say, God cares about the world so much. Not just that he would, I've shared the God, not just that he would send his son, but he would also send his spirit to enable us and propel us and have us 
Give, give us the power. Provide us with the power we need to tell people about Jesus. The question is, do we believe him? And I say this to my shame. Do we believe him? If we believed him, we'd probably do a lot more like what they did in the book of Acts. Did you know that <clears throat> this is the recipe for Acts? Like you... Read the book of Acts and you're like, okay, I got it down. Besides some of the Paul's missionaries. But here's what happens. God's people have a problem. They pray. They get together. They, they, get to, they don't just pray by themselves, by the way. I said that really meanly. They don't pray by themselves. They get together. And they pray. They pray together. God does something powerful among them. And they stay there. No. They go out. They go out. And they share the gospel. People respond. Some deny. Some accept. But the point is, if we believe that the miraculous is a is for us now, maybe we should apply the same recipe. With that said, an application point I I have for us, and I know I'm going to be the biggest hypocrite when I tell you this, because I'm going to be in Nebraska, (laughs) visit my family. We have a day of prayer and fasting coming up on the 19th, or no, excuse me, the 20th of this month, 20th and 21st. And beloved... If we want to see the fire of heaven manifested among us, we have to make things like that a priority. We have to make pursuing the fire distributor a priority. And so we can apply this sermon right now. You can pull out your phone right now. You can pull out your planner right now. Or write it on your note. Write it on your hand. Write it on your husband's hand. September 20th, church, Webster Baptist Church, day of prayer and fasting. And involve your entire family. And involve everyone in your household. If we want to see the fire from heaven, we got to pursue it. And so with that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. But I also just want to remind you. The Remind you of the purpose of the fire. The purpose of the fire is to point to Jesus. And so I would would fail you this morning if I didn't point to him right now. You can't receive the fire without receiving the fire giver. And that's Jesus. Jesus left heaven to save you. He left heaven to rescue you. He left heaven so that you might have the fullness of Of what you were created for. To know God intimately. To experience God intimately. And to make him famous. That's what you were created for, beloved. That's that's why God empowers us. Because that's what we were created for. But you can't get what you were created for without getting the one who created you. And that's Jesus. So I want to extend an invitation. If you do not know Christ this morning. Let today be the first day that you speak to him. Tell him, 
I want to know you, Jesus. I want to experience you, Jesus. I want you to save me, Jesus. That's all you got to do. There's no special formula. You don't have to open up a door and you don't have to say magical words. You just tell him. You talk to him right now. And if you do that, tell me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you haven't not abandoned us, but you, you love us and there's no height, there's no depth, there's nothing that can separate us from your love because God, you have gone to the furthest lengths to make your love be here and now. Your son came, your son lived, your son died, your son resurrected, your son, you and your son sent the spirit And now we get the manifestation of your love in our lives. There's no height, no depth. Nothing can separate us from the great love that you have for us. So God, make that true for everyone. Send us in your power and do mighty works. In Christ's name, amen. If you guys want to stand, we're just going to sing together. Thank you.